Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. For those of us who are born of the Spirit of God, we cannot help but to set our mind on the Holy Spirit. We want to learn from Him. We want to be open to Him. We want to be further filled by Him. We want our habits and our conduct altered by Him. We need His energy and vitality. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because we know We do not have what it takes to live for God on this earth. We want to walk in the Holy Spirit and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. We want everything about our lives scripted by the Holy Spirit. We want to worship God in spirit and truth. Why? Because we're born of the Spirit and by the Spirit. We want to love God. We want to obey God. and We want to worship God. Then why is it that so many of us in various seasons of our lives act as though there isn't even such a thing as the Holy Spirit? Like the Ephesian believers in Acts chapter 19 when Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They were disciples of John the baptizer. And they said to the apostle Paul, we've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And it just so happens that many of us Even though we're born of the Holy Spirit, at times we revert to a mindset and a lifestyle that acts as though there isn't even such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And I want to speak into that today and show you two reasons, perhaps, why we ignore the very Spirit that birthed us into the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we get there, I want to draw your attention to... A letter at the end of our New Testament canon. A letter presumably written by one of Jesus' brothers, that is, Jude. And Jude's letter makes a remarkable point that in the latter times there are going to be those that will, in a way, be void of the Holy Spirit and void of their own spirit. They're, they're going to live as though there is no Holy Spirit. Let's read together in uh, Jude's letter, and I want to pick up there in verse 17, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, which, as you know, amplifies the text and points out a little bit more of the Hebraic and Greek nuances of the text. Verse 17, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions which were made by the apostles, who are the special messengers of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the Anointed One. In other words, remember the ministry, the teachings, and the predictions of the apostles. Verse 18, They told you beforehand that in the last days, in the end of time, there will be mockers, there will be scoffers, those who 
poke fun at, who seek to gratify their own unholy desires, following after their own ungodly passions. Apparently, this was predicted by the apostles. In the past two millennia of church history, there have been those who have lived as though there is no God on this earth. There's no purposes of God on this earth. There certainly is no Holy Spirit on this earth. Why? Because they are in pursuit of their own lust. And I want to say to you, for even those of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, any time that you pursue the gratification of your own ungodly desires. And it's not just sexual desires. It's ungodliness. That is, I want to live a life that has nothing to do with God. Well, obviously, you're going to live as though there is no Holy Spirit. Jude goes on in verse 19, and it says, regarding these ungodly people, these scoffers, these mockers, he says, these are they who are agitators, setting up distinctions and causing divisions. We would presume they cause divisions in the body of Christ. It's something that started there in Corinth and has been with us for the past 2,000 years. When you pursue your own, let's say, ego, your own self-centric opinion, your own will, your own way, your own glory, in a way you're going to reject the Holy Spirit. And as a result you are not going to be reconciliatory in nature. You're not going to make peace. You become a polarizing person that pit one against the other. And he says, yeah, people who live without the, the Holy Spirit, so to speak, are going to be those who make divisions. He also says in verse 19, he says, these, these sectarian kind of people, they are merely sensual. They are creatures of the carnal world. They are worldly-minded people, devoid of the Holy Spirit and destitute of any higher spiritual life. Other translations just say, these people are carnal, they are sensual, they are solical, they live primarily for themselves. And they ignore that there is a Holy Spirit. And they ignore that they have a human spirit, an inner life, an inner world where the Holy Spirit resides. They, they ignore their inner voice, their inner conscience. They ignore certainly the voice of the Holy Spirit. So they live only for the sensual. And it often happens that as Christians, even when we live only for the self-life, the self-ego, of course, we are going to frustrate and ignore and stunt the Holy Spirit. Paul says to the Galatians, don't you know that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live. It's no longer the ego in Greek, but it's Christ. See, Paul had transformed from a self-centric to a Christocentric person. And the Christocentric person absolutely relies on the Holy Spirit. He cannot afford one day without the wind and the breath and the power and the supplying strength of the Holy Spirit within him. 
So verse 19 in Jude's letter sets up the sensual man, the earthly man, the self-seeking man for his own lust and his own greed and his own ungodliness, and he makes divisions. And it's opposed to the man of verse 20. And Jude now says, verse 20, But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying always in the Holy Spirit. In a way, keep in the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. May your whole life be in prayer with the Holy Spirit. You cannot live one day without the Holy Spirit. Do not ignore the Spirit, but rather pray in the Holy Spirit so that your faith is built up. And you have a contrast between the solical, earthly, carnal, natural man of the world versus the man of the Spirit who in spirit prays. So here we have a distinction between those who act as though there is no Holy Spirit. They totally live in the natural versus those who believe there is a Holy Spirit. Their life is influenced by the Holy Spirit. Their life is driven and directed and governed by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The message that I want to bring across to you and that I want to challenge you with is, do you live merely the natural life? a life of sectarianism, a life of mocking, scoffing, a life that is merely for the self, ignoring the Holy Spirit, dissing, frustrating, blocking, or are you a person who lives as though there is a spiritual life, there is a spiritual plane, there is the breath and the wind of the Holy Spirit, and I am open to him. Beloved, I hope this message encourages you as we look at these two things that in a way sometimes we slip into even unaware regarding the Holy Spirit. Why people don't need the Holy Spirit? There's a couple of us in here that desperately need God. There's some of us in here that we don't need God, really. After all, Jesus said it's not the, the, the healthy that needs the physician, it's the sick, right? So for all of you who are healthy, you don't need God. Um, bless you. For all of us pathetic people that just cannot seem to get it together, we desperately need God. But here is just a few observations as to why we really don't need God, why we don't need the Holy Spirit, why folk would say, for instance, ah, oh, I, I can figure this out. I've got the Google after all, right? I've here it is. Folk who say there is no Holy Spirit, there is no invisible, present God working in me. These folk are ignorant on several levels. When you deny the Spirit of God, well, that's just proof that you're in the darkness already, right? That you're ignorant. But I want to say, number one, they are ignorant 
that there is a spiritual dimension versus a natural dimension. I want to start there. Folk who live only in the one-dimensional reality, which is what we call time and space, the here and the now, and you are ignorant that at the very same time God is present, there's a spiritual dynamic to all of this. And if you cannot tune into this or be open to it, or if the Holy Spirit, of course, does not enlighten me regarding that there is a spiritual realm and a spiritual life, that's why most of us reject the Holy Spirit or are afraid of the Holy Spirit because we're, we're not sure or we're uncertain or we're ignorant about the spiritual realm. So basically, we live this life based upon what I can sort of figure out and how I can make sense of this. So we live this life and this is all there is. So folk that are ignorant of the spiritual realm and ignorant that there is a bigger purpose and ignorant that there is a, an economy of God, a way of God, um, you will not need that. You will be closed off to that. So one of the first things that the Holy Spirit will do within you is He will draw out heavenly versus earthly. Have we discussed that before? He will separate. And what happens is the day that you get born again, that is the day that you are regenerated by the Spirit of God, you will begin to see heavenly things. You'll become aware that, whoa, God is at work here, even though my eyes cannot see. Maybe I cannot feel. Maybe I cannot understand. But yet, you will see that God is at work. And so you become aware of the influence of the divine. And you will constantly say, Oh Lord, your will. Oh God, your way. Oh Lord. You get what I'm saying? But if you're not aware of the spiritual realm, you're ignorant of all of that, then all you've got is your own muscle. Which brings me to this next thing. Is that... Not only are we ignorant of the divine, eternal, but the result of being ignorant of that is that you become overconfident in this. So, if you're not aware or attuned or in tune with, with Almighty God working and the Spirit of God renewing the face of the earth, then what are we supposed to do? You consult your own mind, your own wisdom, your own logic, your own feelings, and your own muscle and your own power. And this is where the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 6, you remember it says when Zerubbabel was trying to build this temple, he was just a man. He said, this, God spoke and said, this temple will not be built by your might or by your power, but by the Spirit of God. So if you're ignorant of that, you become overconfident here. And that's just basically why we don't need the Holy Spirit, because I'm smart. After all, I'm studied. I've got a degree. I've got God figured out. I don't need the Holy Spirit to do anything. I can persuade people with my voice. I don't need the Holy Spirit to convict people. I don't need the Holy Spirit to stir in people because, you know, I've got the facts. I've got apologetics. I'm, I can argue. 
So Paul would say, you know, I did not come with persuasive speech of human wisdom. But my preaching came with the power and demonstration of the Spirit. So Paul was aware of something much grander and greater than the here and the now. And he deferred to that. He said, oh Lord, I'm not going to try to like persuade these people. I just need you to show up and do your thing. But if you're not aware or attuned or living spirit-filled, you'll see you're going to become overly confident in your self-ability. I can convince people. I can change people. I can renew the face of the ground. I can, I can change myself. I can improve myself. And for all of your self-effort, how's that going for you? It's just not. So, two quick sort of reasons. Number one, obviously, we're unaware that God is moving. We don't have light. We don't have revelation, vision of what God is doing. So as a result, the here and the now is all that I have. Existentialism, right? Voltaire. So this is all that there is. And so since this is all that there is, then I am the master, the captain of this boat. And so, yeah, I, I don't need God. I, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in giftings. I don't believe in the power of God. Because I can't see it anyway. I don't understand it anyway. So we reject it. So I want to say to you folk who are not open, and if you are not open to the work of God in you, you're arrogant. You're fleshly. You're carnal. You're independent. You're self-centric. And I think it's a miserable way to live. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we want to be spiritually minded, then it's going to take some training in the Holy Spirit. In a way, we have to practice the presence of the Lord. Don't assume that if you are done with your self-life and you've said yes to God, then the God life and the walk in the Holy Spirit is just automatic. It also takes practicing, just like in the natural, maybe you practice for, uh, let's say, a subject or a sport. Even so, in the spiritual life, you have to be trained by God to come into a kind of a rhythm with God and that reality. Just like Brother Lawrence way back in the day had to practice the presence of God in uh, a kitchen you and I can practice the presence of God in our kitchens today, even in our cars today, even in our schooling today, or in the marketplace, wherever we may be working. It, it, it's an intentional thing to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And I want to encourage you with two practical applications thereof. Number one, the Holy Spirit is actually the Hebrew word ruach and the Greek word pneuma, and it actually just means breath or air or wind. So one of the ways in which you can train yourself 
in the air of God, the, the wind of God, is to just look at the natural wind. The next time the wind blows through your hair, may it remind you of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps next time you drive in a vehicle, turn down the window and just feel the force of that wind and let it be a little bit of a symbol of the Holy Spirit to you. Or the next time you see a tree that is moved by the wind or maybe a leaf that is carried along by the wind or out on a boat or wherever you may find yourself, let the wind remind you that even though the wind is invisible, yet it is there and it is an image of the Holy Spirit. So to set your mind on the Spirit is not to sit in a corner and just meditate all day long. No, live your life right there in your school or in the marketplace or even in your kitchen, wherever you may find yourself, practice the presence of God there and set your mind on the wind. God is present. The Lord is here. And you just have to practice it. So one of the things we can use is visual aids. So use the visual aid of the wind within nature and practice the presence of God. The second thing that you can do is to notice your own breath. Because the Holy Spirit, Ruach, or pneuma is actually the word breath, like it is air and wind. And there is, of course, a breath within you. You are a living being. So there has to be the breath of life within you. So the next time that you breathe, remind yourself, set your mind on the Holy Spirit. My children some time ago asked me about the Holy Spirit, and we had to sit down and we talked in fellowship through some aspects of the Holy Spirit. And one of my children said to me, Dad, I just don't know if I believe in the Holy Spirit because I, I don't see him. And I said, well, that's right. I don't see the Holy Spirit either, but I know that he is real. And they asked me, well, Dad, how do you know the Holy Spirit is real? How do you experience the Holy Spirit? And I said, my children, the Holy Spirit is like breath. Do you have breath within you? Do you breathe the breath? And they said, yes, we do, Daddy. And I said, but can you see the breath? Can you actually see the molecules of the air moving about? And, um, of course, in their wittiness, they said, yeah, on a cold day, we blow out our breath, Dad. We can totally see it. I said, wait a minute. I, I get that. But for the most part, the breath that we breathe is invisible, yet it is a substance. It is a substance, actually, that enlivens me. Even so, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is present. He is hovering over creation. And if you live under this sun, you are a recipient for the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is, if you believe into the Lord Jesus Christ and if you welcome the Holy Spirit. So all that you then have to do is, on the one hand, look at the wind about you through the trees, etc., etc., but also, more personally, there is wind within you. There is air and breath within you. Every time that you breathe, become aware 
of the Holy Spirit within you. Unlike the New Agers that just in a way empty themselves to have some kind of esoteric experience, rather, no, say, Lord, with every breath, I thank you that you are here. Thank you that you live inside of me. And you praise him and you worship him. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In uh, many of the ancient traditions of the Christian faith, there is this notion of breath prayer. And it is something you can practice even to this very day. In fact, the Jesus prayer is this prayer where with every breath that you exhale, in a way you say, Lord Jesus Christ, you know, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it, it's, it's breath prayer that the ancients practiced with every breath. They would say, oh, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, Lord Jesus. Of course, they won't say it in complete sentences, but with every breath. Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, you and I can take breath prayer and, and personalize it. Let the Holy Spirit teach you a personal prayer language, a devotional love language to the Lord, a worship and uh, exalting language from your lips. The issue is not what comes out of your mouth. The issue is that you learn to take every breath that you breathe and submit it to the worship of God. So, Go on a little bit of a, a journey with the Holy Spirit and notice the wind about you and notice the air, the wind, and the breath within you and let Him teach you. And this is how you can, in a way, practice the presence of God. Now, in our upcoming section, I want to turn things around. Instead of being all negative, let's get positive and give you several short few insights what is life like if indeed you practice the presence of God, if the Holy Spirit dwells within you, if you mind Him and you walk in Him? What are some of the things that you can expect as you live and walk and move in this wonderful Holy Spirit? Number one, if you're a spirit-filled person, you're living by an indwelling board, you will find that you confess the name of Jesus liberally, freely, with conviction, passionately, lovingly, enjoyingly. It will be easy for you to say, Jesus is Lord. After all, nobody can really say with conviction, Jesus is Lord, unless by the Spirit of God. So just watch. If you're ongoingly filled with the Spirit of God and He renews you and He works in you and you live and you move and have your being by the Lord and in the Lord and with the Lord, you just notice. You'll, 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 you'll call on the name of the Lord. Your prayer meetings will mostly look like this. Oh, Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Okay. There's no other name whereby men can be saved. It's the name upon which we call. And it's just, it's sweet. You know, 
You'll just, just watch. The Spirit will within you say, oh, Jesus, come. That's a work of God. That's a work of being Spirit-filled. You'll see, if, if you're living in Spirit, and you're baptized in Spirit, and soaked up in the nature of God, and, and, and you're walking with Him, you'll see that you worship God even when there isn't music. Worship becomes a lifestyle. This is a hallmark of spirit-filled people, is that they don't need music to worship God. They just, they enjoy God. At Burger King, they're worshiping God, because their work is their worship. In church, when they sing a hymn, they're worshiping God too. Their lifestyle is worship. This is after all what Jesus said. He said, the Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in. It says nothing of music. I find that very interesting. God is seeking those who will worship Him as a lifestyle, in spirit and in truth, in light, in reality. So I just want to say to you, you'll see that whether you have a song or not, you'll want to worship Him. Your work, everything becomes holy to you. Everything becomes an act of, of, of worship to the Lord. That's spiritual living. Um, you'll see, if you're walking in spirit, continually drinking of the spirit, and the Lord renews you, you will see that you actually enjoy company with God. You enjoy talking to God. You enjoy visiting with God. You enjoy reading something about God, maybe singing for God, meditating on God. Like God is not a bother, a checklist, or a schlep. God is like real, relatable, enjoyable. He's a companion. He can be fellowshiped with. We can talk all day long. Just That is a hallmark of spirit-filled living. Another aspect of spirit-filled living is that the Bible, this old boring book, becomes an open book to you. An open book. By that I mean that the Bible begins to strangely make sense to you. When all of us have to like Google what is being said, somehow you just intuitively get it. That is, you enjoy reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, meditating and musing on the Word of God. Like, you will not be bored. That is evidence that you're in the flesh. If you actually just read two sentences, it's just bread to you, and it's water to you, and it's breath to you, and it's enjoyment to you. That's proof that you're in the Spirit. Proof that you're in the Spirit is that God's speaking is less vague, less ambiguous. It's, it's more particular. It's more specific. It's more clear. Most of us, <laughs> I want to tell you, we're like my daughter the other day. I asked her to go pray about something and come back and tell me what did God say. And she said, well, <laughs> she's still growing, okay, so cut her some slack. Or maybe you can identify with this. She goes, I said, well, what did God say? She says, well, um, he said yes, but kind of no. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, muggy. How do you say muddled? And, but I, I tell you, when, you, when you live in spirit, 
You'll, you'll just, you, you get clear conviction. I've got to go to this campus. Don't go to this party. You get what I'm saying? When you're living in the flesh, things are sort of, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll bring a baby. <laughs> but when you're in spirit, you just see the, the voice of God, the direction of God, the truth of God. Uh, the, things just become clear. Yeah. We don't understand everything. By no means have we arrived. But there's just, the things of God just becomes very, very clear, discernible. There's a line drawn, if you can follow what I'm saying. Um, a hallmark of spirit-filled people. Can I ask you, is this you? A hallmark of spirit-filled people is that they know the will of God. They know the will of God. They know the economy of God, the grand purposes of God. Not fully, but to some extent. And, and they, they have a clear speaking of God, so they stay on the straight and narrow. They stay focused. And they're after the will of God. And they know actually the will of God. Again, things are not ambiguous for them. Vague. They, they know what God is saying. They know where God is going. Spirit-filled people know the will of God. Fleshly people, we try to circumvent, and compromise, massage the will of God. I was with people uh, some time ago. They actually told me this. They said, I know that if I were to follow the will of God, it's going to cost me. They told me that verbatim to my face. I know that he's going to ask me to change and maybe leave that or leave this. I, I just, I don't know if I, I, I can do that. They are overly confident in their yeah. self. So they've evaluated, I don't have the strength to leave it. But they know, they don't know that it's not by power, not by might. The Spirit of God is going to bring you through. So they evaluate, they add things up like God's going to ask a lot of me. I don't think I can do it. I don't know if there's even a Holy Spirit that's going to help me through all of this. So just, I'm not going to say yes. So they don't know what's available to them. But I want to tell you, Spirit-filled people, they're after the will of God. They say yes even before they understand that yes, by the way, is a work of the Spirit of God in them. And with the Spirit, they say, yes, Lord. And if they were to die or were to suffer or were to struggle, life is a struggle and spiritual people are not exempt from difficulties. But that's why the Spirit is there as a helper. Carry you through. A few more. You'll see spiritual people, they have boldness, in approaching God. Boldness to ask. Boldness and confidence in prayer. Just there's a general kind of a boldness. It's got nothing to do with their personality. You'll see old ladies, grandma, walk down the street. Just, hello, sonny. Hello, sweetie. And then you see that same lady in a prayer meeting. Oh, Jesus. And she just, like, who are you? Where did you come from? I've met people like that in South Africa. Just you look at them in the street, you're like, oh, lady, you need a wheelchair. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they begin to talk for God, and there's a strange, I want to tell you, spirit-filled people have a boldness in the presence of God that's got nothing to do with their temperament, their personality, nothing. There's a confidence to approach God because they know He's Daddy. They know He's good. They know He's the Abba, the Father, the Provider. Spirit-filled people. 
They're bold in prayer, bold in utterances, and they're bold in giftings. Spiritful people do not bury their giftings. They're constantly saying, oh Lord, train me. Oh God, what do you have for me? Oh Jesus, use me. They want to be used of God. They want the Lord to pour out spiritual giftings on them because they know in their flesh they don't have what it takes. They need extra bazookas, extra (laughs) ammunition. That's the gifts of the Spirit. The only people that don't need the gifts of the Spirit are folk who've arrived. But for the rest of us idiots, (laughs) bring it on, Lord. Oh, Jesus, poor. When you are overly confident in yourself that you've got it together, well, you don't need God. But only if you know that you're weak, you're not smart enough, you're not wise enough, you just don't have what it takes, those guys are open to more of God. But I want to tell you, spiritual people, they don't bury what God gives to them. If God gives you one empowerment today, use it, and you'll get a second, and a third, and a fourth. But the reason sometimes God don't even pour out upon us is because at one time He did, and you buried it. Okay. Another thing here, spiritual people take authority over darkness. They change the climate of the environment they're in. They're not under the circumstances, they are over. If it's hot and sweaty in a place, they turn on the air conditioner. When it's cold and frozen, they bring the heat. They just affect the climate. They take authority. That's what Adam was supposed to do. God created that man to have authority. And this is one thing that spiritual people demonstrate. It don't mean they're bossy or even leaders. Again, there's grandma. She's walking down the road. But you want to mess with her purse? Hey, she's going to take authority. And that's what I love about spiritual people. It's got nothing to do with being a girl, physique tiny, introverted. Spiritual authority is a different dynamic than your personality. Thank you, finally, somebody agrees with me. (laughs) And that's what we need in this day and age, is people with spiritual authority. Okay? Spiritual people have a strange energy about them. Vitality. An endurance. Spiritual people They can serve, they can work, they can do ministry. They're not sitting on the sidelines. Spiritful people get skin in the game. Spiritful people are folk that cultivate new habits and rhythms with God. Spiritual people are folk who overcome bondages and get transformed. Spiritual people are not perfect, but they overcome every obstacle in route to perfection. Can you follow with me? Don't think that when you live in the Holy Spirit, you never make a mistake. We make mistakes while we're in the Spirit. But here's the thing. Spirit-filled people will learn from their mistakes. They grow through their mistakes and they overcome habits and they overcome traditions and they cultivate newness in the Spirit because the Spirit renews the face of the ground. Is everybody with me? Spirit-filled people enjoy fellowship with other Christians. 
they enjoy being around the people of God. Spirit-filled people steward what God entrusts to them. They are stewards, as Paul would even say. You should account me as a servant, as a slave, as a steward of what God has entrusted to me. Spirit-filled people are pioneering. They're inventing. They're creative. They're a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Spiritual people are leaders, regardless of your personality. Because you're under the headship of the grand leader in the universe, Almighty God. And you believe that He's entrusted to you authority, position, so yeah, you can speak, you can lead, you can be a part of influencing the climate around you. Spiritful people take care of relationships. Just like you, I've had conflict with so many people. But because the Spirit of God is within me, there's a spirit of reconciliation. And I seek peace, and they seek peace. Spiritful people... Don't have it all together, but they seek out relationships and they seek out peace. And, and then lastly, I mean, I've got a massive list. Let me just conclude. Spirit-filled people long for the return of Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit and the Bride together say, Come, Lord Jesus. Spiritual people are not weird. I've met a few folk throughout my day where they, they try to be all weird. I had such a person um, in, in uh, Birmingham where I lived. You're not spirit-filled. We're trying to fake it. Spiritual people, you don't have to talk all weird. Oh, I believe he's here. You have to be weird. Spiritual people don't have to do weird things. You, Jesus, uh, there was not one weird bone in that man's body. He was as normal as they come. And all the while, he was born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. Yet, people did not say one thing weird about him, except he eats a lot and drinks a lot. Well, that's about as weird as he was. He was fully human and fully relatable. I just want to like t tell you all, you don't have to be afraid of spirit-filled living because you have this view of just weird things. Can you all follow with me? I want to tell you, if you're perhaps as normal as they come, that's more evidence for me that you're spirit-filled than you're trying to be all weird. Spiritual people are normal. They're goofy, they've got personality, they wear their baseball caps a certain way. Spiritful people are just relatable, enjoyable. They don't intimidate you. Many of those folk who might try to intimidate you or whatever, they're just trying to make a boast in their flesh. Oh, look how close I am to Jesus. Somebody please recognize me. Spiritful people don't do that. 
They're just normal.